Hello and welcome to episode 15 of Get It Whacked, the Macclesfield Cricket Club podcast. Over the coming weeks and months, we intend to go behind the scenes of Mac CC and meet some of the players and characters at the club, find out some things about them you never knew or most likely never wanted to know, and above all, hopefully have a few laughs along the way. Macclesfield Cricket Club is grateful for the continued support of our various sponsors. Today's featured sponsor is SAS Daniels Solicitors. At SAS Daniels Solicitors, they look at things from a different perspective and find the legal services to get the best results for you. With offices in Stockport, Macclesfield, Chester and Congleton, they are within easy reach throughout Cheshire and the Northwest. Their specialist team of friendly, down-to-earth solicitors prefer everyday language to legalese and pride themselves on listening to their clients and responding with clarity and empathy. Life is often challenging, and they can help you make informed decisions and avoid pitfalls, leaving you to focus on the positives. They also believe in transparent pricing options so that there are no hidden surprises. With a full range of legal services, they are here for you, your family and your business. Please visit sasdaniels.co.uk for more information. Without further ado, I would like to introduce today's guest. This man is nothing short of a Macclesfield Cricket Club legend. He comes from a cricketing family dynasty and is one of the most well-loved members of the club. A true senior pro in every sense of the word, he has already been heralded as a cricketing hero on this very podcast and in my eyes is still one of the fittest players at the club. Ladies and gentlemen, it is my absolute pleasure to introduce to you Mr Tony Moores. Timo, how are you? Miles, very well, thank you. Yeah, yeah, we're good. We're good. I've actually been losing in lockdown. I've been cycling. I've lost about a stone. I'm like a racing snake at the moment. <laughs> Will the quick twos be back on the uh, back on the cards then? It'll be quick threes. <laughs> We forget the twos now, it'll be quick threes now, yeah. Well, I have to say, T, if you ever run a three with me, I'll kill you. Uh, no, I'm joking. <laughs> how uh, How is the lockdown situation going? You and Roche at home, I assume, trying to uh, avoid as many human beings as is possible? That's about the size of it, yeah. It's um, it's it's been really remarkably easy. It's um, You feel guilty sometimes. You should be doing more or it should be more awkward. For me, fairly quiet person, it's... Yeah, I don't mind the, uh, the lockdown so much. Boshin struggles a little bit in between. He needs to get to see some of the other uh, family. But apart from Zooms, we're not seeing very much of grandchildren, obviously. Jasper and Sophie, she, she misses. We both miss. Uh, so we'll, we'll see them on the Zoom as well. But it is what it is. And uh, there we go. I think the first question I must ask is, are they as feral on Zoom as they can be in person. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. Jas- Jasper is a crazy person. He was, he was, um, he wasn't very well a couple of nights. He always, he was sick during the night, and Andy thinks it may well have been he was actually eating grass. And then when he was outside, he may well have been eating grass rather than just uh, playing on it. He is feral. He is feral. Sophie not too bad. Sophie's meant to ride a bike as well. Jasper, we just saw a video of Sophie riding the bike. Very, very commendable. And then all of a sudden, Jasper comes flying across the camera. Cush, he's sitting on a bike but just pedalling it with his feet on the ground and he's just going at about 
30 miles an hour gone again. He's a, he's a crazy person. That's a nice segue there, Tony, to talk about a couple of things I said in your introduction. As I described you as, as certainly, and as far as I'm concerned, you are one of the fittest men at the club. And it's obviously very good to hear that you're uh, getting in uh, good fighting shape. I have to say, I, I'm doing the opposite. But uh, whenever we do hear about some possible cricket, I'll uh, I'll be ready. Well, yeah, yeah, I'll be, I'll be waiting. Don't you worry. Now, going back, as I said, to your introduction, obviously, it would be very poor form to ask your age. However, I would like to uh, elaborate on your, your family as a cricketing dynasty. As I said, it's uh, it's fair to say there are a few of you that have played the game at both Mac and, and a little further afield. So do, do you want to sort of tell us about why I refer to you as a cricketing family dynasty? We could put a team out with Moses, I think, now, if we include Joel Moores. I think Joel Moores will bring us up to 10 Joe and Tom as well, and then five brothers, another couple of nephews, and we, we're near enough there as a team. It's always been a family orientated, a cricket orientated family. We said, well, I used to play cricket in the entry, we had a backyard and a little entry, and we used to play practice there. Great times. My dad never played cricket, as far as I'm aware, but he was a very keen armchair sportsman anyway, so he always knew the sort of thing we should be doing playing cricket he'd be trying to bowl all sorts of weird and wonderful deliveries if you've seen Briss, Steve any of them they will do throw downs through the back of the hand and that sort of thing and that was my dad who started started all that so from there really we started then myself was I'm the oldest Jim second oldest Jim's the only one who's never played regular cricket but he turns out once a year for Maxonians in the friendly game on a Sunday now and generally speaking picks up two or three wickets on his uh three overs a year. I don't know quite how he does that as I'm toiling there, getting nowhere. Jim comes on and quickly picks up three wickets. Then we have Steve, well known to everybody at Macclesfield, obviously. Pete, well known for, again, obvious reasons, is an exceptional ex-coach, Sussex Lancashire and England coach as well on a couple of occasions. Robert, and since then, my three boys, Chris, Andy and Mitch, and Tom, Peter's lad, and uh, Joe Moore's the youngest at the moment, who looks as though he might be as good or better than any of them. And that's the Moore's family, very briefly. There's rather a lot of you uh, there. It's it, It'll be a tremendous thing to see uh, all 10 of you take the field at some point. And then obviously with the, uh, the addition coming from Mitch and Lucy, who we offer our congratulations to, as uh, they are expecting in, I believe, October. So mm-hmm. it, it could well be in a, in a few years' time that there'll be a there'll be 11 of you taking that might, be, that might be the 11th yeah i might not be playing then when um, young mitch junior is playing i think it might be i might have gone beyond my uh, expectations. well we'll we'll see t there's a reason you're regarded as one of the uh, the fittest men at the club in my eyes obviously you were talking about some some early cricketing memories there and 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 obviously i think it's fair to say playing in the family is uh, is a term that you you cannot get tired of using with yourself and, and your family as we've just heard but are there any sort of early other cricketing memories from perhaps being at school primary school as uh, when i first played if it's like competitive cricket and used to play for st albans one of the teachers there peter mannion the name that might be known to some of the the club mm-hmm. it's andy mannion's dad ah okay often known as well but his dad was a teacher at St Albans and he was very keen on I was in junior three playing with the junior four boys I was tiny as a as a as a child I was very very small so playing with a year older as well made me look even smaller continued into my king school day that I was the smallest 
boy in our class at, uh, in the first year at King's. I was also found to be the smallest boy in four other FC the same year group. I was then marched around the, uh, the next year group to see if they could find anybody that was a similar size to me. And um, I was still the smallest person. For this, this was when I was in the law force in the second year. I was marched around the first year to see if they could find anybody smaller than me. They failed. They didn't manage it. So I was the smallest person. Wow. Two in two for two year groups at King School. High classes, which is scary. My mum constantly told me that I will shoot up. And um, eventually she was proved right when I did shoot up marginally. At about uh, 16 years old, I got to a very healthy five foot nine or 10, whatever I am. Nowadays, I'm probably going the other way again now. I'm probably starting to shrink. That was the uh, first one at St Albans there. Then King School. King School, I played junior cricket for the first one. The, uh, the first year, second year, the third year, I was playing King School cricket. But then I'd got to a, a Saturday job and a milk round myself and another another boy called Bernard Warrington. Again, might be known one or two members, but we played the milk round. We, we did the milk round in the morning and then we played cricket Saturday afternoons for the school. On one occasion, the milk round people were very short staffed. They'd asked us to do two milk rounds, given that they were paying us. So we felt that we owed some loyalty to the milk round people. We went to, to find the cricket master at things to say, I'm sorry, we're not going to be able to play this Saturday, Mr. Wrigley. Mr. Wrigley, Nick Wrigley, uh, we can't play this Saturday. We've got to do two mill rounds. And you can imagine the response at the time from um, King School teachers. You've been selected to play for King School. It's an honour and a privilege. You will play for King School. If you don't turn up on Saturday, you won't play for King School again. Um, myself and Bernard, being a little bit rebellious, didn't turn up for King School. And neither of us played again for King School. That was when we both went to play at Macclesfield as Macclesfield senior teams. Then we both started playing for Macclesfield third team. About 1967 or 68, 68 possibly. Interesting fact about the date there. It's, uh, it's a date that's actually nearer to the end of the First World War than it is to today's date, which is a horrifying thought. <laughs> I did say, obviously, that uh, certainly wouldn't be uh, asking your age. It's a very inappropriate thing to say. There are the um, the, the the maths geniuses out there, of, of which I suspect there are few, especially in some of the juniors. No point in the finger at any of the members of Team Airhead, of course. Um, I'm sure there'll be a few people who'll work it out from that, but we'll, we'll say no more, T. Especially the Team Airhead. Quite. When when, when Brad Porter played for us on the third team last year, as a 13-year-old, I was five times his age. So the airheads, if they can manage that, they should figure out how old I was last summer. Do you think any of them are seriously capable of doing 13 times tables? Highly unlikely. Highly <laughs> unlikely. Obviously, you mentioned about starting at Macclesfield as kind of your first former club after Kings. You did make mention of uh, Maxonians earlier, and I just wondered if you wanted to tell us about the, the mighty Maxonians. Mighty Maxonians. Your association with that fine cricketing institution. Well, I started playing for Macclesfield 3s and sometimes 2s around 1968. I carried on playing at Macclesfield until nine, 1977 when I started going out with my wife, Roisin. Um, and as she was living in Birmingham at the time, weekends were taken off either with me travelling down to Birmingham or Roisin from up here. And so there was a three-year gap in my uh, cricketing career while I was um, involved doing other things, shall we say. Courting. 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 That's right, yeah. Courting who was at the time. Eh? <laughs> After getting married in 1980, I went down to 
Macclesfield and I started playing again for Macclesfield 1981. It was a grim sort of time for the club. I was playing the third team. It was myself and one other lad, Dave McCoy, who were both late 20s. I think Dave McCoy might have been nearer 30. And apart from that, the oldest player on the third team was probably about 15. Um, so the um, the social side of the very, very poor at the time. And it, it wasn't a lot of fun. And I was um, tempted away to play for Maxonians, no doubt, or a couple of pints of beer at the time. And I went to play for Maxonians and stayed there till around about 2000. Played Maxonians for about 18 years. Yeah, thoroughly enjoyed it. Thoroughly enjoyed Maxonians. Met some really good people. But unfortunately, looking back, I would have liked to have stayed at Macclesfield to see what sort of level I could have played at at Macclesfield. But it's not, it's not hindsight, it's a marvellous thing. But Maxonians was was great fun. I've still got a lot of friends who played for Maxonians that are now and still meet up with. In more recent times, what has kind of Maxonians uh, sort of developed into, shall we say? From the year 2000, the league insisted every team having two teams, the first and second team. We, we couldn't do that. There was no chance that two teams we struggling to put out one put out some feelers about joining a different league but the uh, the majority of the members felt that they would be happy to play friendly cricket on, on a Sunday if they would play anything at all and they, and they went down that line for a few years trying to arrange friendlies now then for myself um, and for one or two well for myself Chris was also playing Maxonians Andy was playing Maxonians and we wanted competitive league cricket uh, friendly cricket I'm afraid was, was no use to us at the time so we we all moved over to Macclesfield Maxonians now play once a year against the Ashtree and that's the next thing we have a fishing match as well once yeah. a year that's another story we're more successful at the fishing match generally than the cricket but yeah, yeah. We, I, I certainly needed competitive for, for somebody who's very quiet and laid back normally you do indeed there was a very good story that was told from the um from the third team season review podcast uh, oh, i think i think i'd listen to it yes yeah, froggy yeah i believe it was uh ian kenny who said that in this particular game this chap kept uh stepping away as the bowler was running in because he felt there was a bit of uh chat going on shall we say yeah. which is which yeah. is probably right and and i do remember this but you absolutely gave this 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 young lad a, a dressing down and then he then he he got out next ball and and as ian said uh everybody on the pitch including both umpires from his team gave him a send-off but yeah you you yeah you, you yeah, can yeah, you can I, flip the switch when you need to t i think it's fair to say getting People not walking when they're giving out is the that's the ultimate uh, trigger for me. If if somebody looks at an umpire in disgust, then I think that's appalling, and I will give them a, a serious spray. And I've got into trouble on more than one occasion for, for doing it. Yes, I I've... I think it's I think it's youth. I think it's something I might grow out of in due course. Miles, there. I think uh, when I've been playing the game a bit longer, I might uh, stop doing that sort. Possibly. I think the the good thing with yourself is T that you, you you're not a sledger. Every so often, a batsman will 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 draw your irk, and then they will be on the end of uh, a bit of a spray. And it's it's always hilarious to uh, uh, those of us that are close by in in the grabbers because whatever it is this batsman has done to draw your irk, and and whatever the spray they give them is, they are instantly a lot more aggravated and put off and upset by whatever it is you've said to them than anything that messes. You know, Froggy, Horner, Mitch Moores, Kenny, Flint can can come up with, possibly the exception of uh, Mr. Steve Whittingham. The, the gentleman, yeah. <laughs> he, uh, he's the, the, the master. 
He is. He he does like escorting the bunnies to the hutch. Uh, the master of the, of the non-PC slave <laughs> as well. There, yeah. He'll be on the podcast in due course, so I don't I don't want to. Uh, I, won't, I, won't, I won't mention any of his uh, sledges, but suffice to say that the uh, the less PC, the better generally, as far as uh, Steve's concerned. There, uh, yeah. Long mate, continue. <laughs> depending on your point of view here, Tony, you've been fortunate or unfortunate, depending on which way you look at it, to play cricket with your sons over the years for Mac, as you've alluded to. And I just wondered if there were any sort of standout memories or incidents, or perhaps um, first time you played with any of them, or, or anything that you know you, you might want to bring up. First time playing with Mitch, that would have been Maxonians when we travelled to play Frodsham. Mitch was probably, I don't know, I doubt whether he'd be more than 12. And um, at least I think this was Mitch. It might even have been Andy, but he was one of them anyway. And we, we dragged them out there to play. Um, we, it was a game that we were being roundly thrust. We were bowled out for, I think, about 40. And uh, their openness came in, um, got to 30 or so for no wicket. And I was captain at the time, and I called on Mitch or Andy. It might have been Andy, actually. Hold on, Andy, to bowl, just, just for interest's sake. And uh, he, he ran up, bowled, and that's their only batsman who was uh, notoriously painful anyway. Played a board, he just knocked it back and um, asked the umpire if he could ask the uh, bowler to remove his watch. He was distracting him. Andy Mitch had got one of these big watches that he wore at the time. It was pretty upsetting for the batsman. Uh, next ball, ball again, and the batsman tried to heave it over square leg, top edged it, and went just over uh, mid wicket's head. It, I would have been, it would have been possibly the best moment of my cricketing career. You've all died up there, but um, not to be quite. But that was very, very young there. But difficult, difficult to. And Andy's got uh, fast numbers of. Uh, Entertaining, uh, very very few directly related to cricket. Lots of directed about uh, responses that he's got when he's been sledging from behind the stumps. Um, but yeah, in fact, I think uh, I think I'm probably the angriest Moors now after uh, Andy's gone into semi-retirement. I think that forced to me now to, to carry on Andy's good work. But yeah, Andy, Chris, different day. Um, in all seriousness, in all seriousness, I think the um, one of the things I'm most proud about from a cricket point of view is to be able to say that I've played on the same team as all three of them together. I've captained all three of them individually over my time and I've also been captained by all three of them since then. So I'm, I'm something that I'm really proud of that they all get on. They're all very important members of the club as well. And um, yeah, means a lot. It's a fantastic thing, and I'm sure uh, anybody who's lucky enough to 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 have uh, as many uh, <laughs> sons and grandsons and everything else as you would would enjoy the idea of being able to play cricket with them. Although I do have to say, I I find it interesting that you you're very proud of being captained by them because. Um, I've I've certainly been under the, uh, the the stewardship of um of Mitch Moore's in previous times, and I uh you know I, I dispute that claim. No, I'm joking. It's, uh, it sounds it sounds a great honour, and um and and as I say, a rich 
cricketing family dynasty. Yes, indeed. Yeah, yeah. There's been a lot of captains, a lot of captains that have played under at, at Macclesfield as well. There, uh, you know, that uh, Sodge, Sodge springs to mind. Uh, kept, kept the team going at a time when it would have been very easy for the second team to have folded completely and potentially the whole club. This, this was at a time. When we before we joined Parkside, Sodge was the captain when we were really struggling to get teams out at Macclesfield. I listened to DC's podcast when he was talking about the merger with Parkside. That this was before we'd merged. We were struggling to get a second team out. Parkside was struggling to get a second team out. And when the, the merger eventually took place, it was tremendously successful. It, it, it seemed to happen very quickly as well. There, the the, the two teams gelled. There was um, there was very little us and them, which surprised me because I, I pulled my hands up that I thought it might have been a nightmare, but it worked really, really well. People were promoted, and you know, people went up from third, seconds, first team, and and that's been the case since at the club. It's one of the good things about the club is that there are no clicks in first team, second team, third teams. Everybody gets the chance if they if they've been playing well enough. And that that merger was the makings, I think, of Macclesfield as it is now, and also kept, kept both teams kept Parkside going as well. Mm-hmm. Very very important. But Sod Sod was the one who kept us going as a captain. Very strange captaincy, but he kept us going until we merged with Parkside. And then and then John Knight. John Knight was the captain. One of my favourite captains, I think. John Knight. Under uh, John, we we won the. Second eleven championship as a second team, first eleven championship as a team. I think we got to. I think we were runners up in the uh, Premier Premier League in consecutive years. It's the the most successful period I've, I've been involved with in, in any team that I've played for. And John Knight as a captain. Um, what can you say about John Knight? You know John Knight at all? I do. Uh, he was he was somebody who had his, his own methods of encouragement. People. <laughs> If you if you're there in the field, you take a wicket. There'd be a huddle, high fives, and high five from your captain, and all of a sudden you'd get, you know, describe it as a low grope rather than a high five there, which inevitably took you horribly by surprise. He kept you on your toes, though. Uh, yeah, he's also somebody who who took the team talk, the captain's team talk, to new levels when it came to explain a lot of lot of captains. Well, throwing a few four-letter words here, there, and everywhere. But John Knight was the best master. He was brilliant. He, he reached his beautiful pinnacle, I think, when when on tea time he 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 had a ball that hit him on the knee, and he was describing his knee, and he, he described it in a five-word sentence, which included the word the uh, and four variations. On the same expletive um, after that, and it, it went along the lines of, if I can say this, I shall um, say it as politely as possible. But um, he said, "I've been hit on the knee. The effing effers, effing effed." That's what he, that's what he said about his knee. Five words, four swear words, um, and that that was nice. <laughs> 
God be saying it in an Irish Irish way, but I think that's is that okay? Yeah, that's that's absolutely right. fine. That's not going in. We'll uh, but, we'll not yeah. lose our PG rating for that too, so don't don't worry. Um, moving uh, moving moving swiftly onwards, I do want to talk about um, some stats uh, with you right, from, cool. from the club uh, over the years. There's a, there's a couple of uh, quite interesting things that I, that I want to bring up in due course, but uh, we'll just run across your all the the statistics that I have, which are as follows: You've played 215 games with 154 innings, 54 not outs, uh, scoring 1,488 runs with a highest score of 74, uh, averaging just under 15. From the bowling point of view, I, th- I think it's fair to say you. I don't know whether you would describe yourself as more of a batsman in your younger years, but uh, certainly uh, <laughs> more uh, in in the more recent yeah. time, you, you're very much more a bowler. Um, but your bowling statistics are as follows: um, you have bowled 1,498.3 overs, and doesn't your knee know it? Uh, 311 maidens. Uh, you've taken 279 wickets with a best of seven for 29 and five. Uh, sorry, eight five wicket hauls with an economy rate of 3.5 uh strike rate 32 averaging 18 and then just to run over the uh, dismissals um and this is this is a good point uh, a good opportunity to to just talk about you yourself in the field for, for those that don't know tony he's um his sort of peak mobility i think it would be fair to say is possibly um in 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 the past that being said I defy anybody in <laughs> certainly in the league that we play in to be in a more effective gully fielder. Um to, you've taken 42 catches um and you have three runouts accredited to you. But certainly if you if we look in the last 10 years you are probably averaging about six catches a season, I would say. Don't don't count last year's because I've, I've got a sneaky feeling. I'm not sure that I caught anything last year. You didn't catch anything last year. Well, I am sure now that I didn't. Catch <laughs> but um, you did. You did stop uh, one of one of the, the most ridiculous oh, yeah. things I've ever seen. So Tony is is pretty much a, these days an ex- exclusive gully fielder and has taken as many that will have seen will attest to some rather unbelievable catches over the years which is which is not mad for a for for a senior pro shall we say but one of the things that never fails to amaze me is the is the amount of runs that you save we very rarely have a third man because we have Tony Moores in the gully but um one such incident i think it was it wasn't last season it was the season before this <laughs> i don't know who was bowling someone fairly slow but this bloke has gone to play a very late late cut and has, has, has hit this ball straight out the middle of the bat at, at you at Gully, and it and it hit your knee, um, and you stopped four runs, and this ball has full full blooded hit you clean in in the right knee, and I remember turning away thinking, oh my god. This could be broken shin, broken knee, and you didn't even flinch. You literally just picked the ball back and chucked it back to the bowler, and and I think there were. You know, <laughs> twelve people on the cricket pitch just staring. It's happened to me twice. <laughs> once, once with Max Owens as well. When it's when I when I when I retired, the season that I retired because of my knee, I came back to play one game for Max Owens. It was a 
you could you could bowl three overs, you retired at 25 or 30. So I thought, what can go wrong? First ball of their innings, somebody smashed the ball at me at gully and it smacked into left needle. The, the good knee made a horrendous sound and hardly felt a thing. I don't know. And it was the same, I think, with that, the incident you described there from a couple of years ago. Didn't really hurt at all. I must have been so amazingly lucky about exactly where it brought me on the knee that it just made a, made a lot of noise. My theory is that it actually benefited you because towards the end of the 2018 season, you were, you were struggling with your knee a little bit and um, you weren't able to bowl uh, both sides of, of the wickets. And I think you you kind of stopped going through through and round. So for those that don't know, T-Bowl's left arm. Uh, and and you were bowling a lot of left arm uh, over the wicket. And you kind of stopped bowling round because, you know, a bit of knee problems. And then the start of this season, oh, sorry, the start of last season, you suddenly were bowling back to the wicket. And I, and I think what happened was you were struggling in the 2018 season. Someone hit that ball clean into your knee. You know, you had the good pre-season and then you came back with a with, with the knee that had just been kind of knocked back into alignment and, and, and off you went around the wicket again. Around the wicket, yeah. Certainly I've been bowling more around the wicket. Helped yourself to 21 victims uh, last season. Recent podcast guest and club personality, Pete Langley, has decided to get off his backside for charity. His words, not mine. He has challenged himself to run 100 kilometres in a month, having previously only ever walked from scrum to scrum, and famously only comes into bowl off four yards, when he is allowed to bowl, I might add. He's undertaking this challenge in aid of Parkinson's UK, which is a charity very close to his and his family's heart. The charity supports families in improving the quality of life for sufferers of Parkinson's. Many people will also be aware that Nick Burtis's father battled Parkinson's and passed away two years ago. In the current climate, with cancellations to events such as the London Marathon, many charities have been hit hard, so any donations to this fantastic cause would be gratefully appreciated. You can find out more by searching Langer's 100k on justgiving.com. So, as I said, there there are a few things I wanted to to to, to pick out um, from your from your statistics. The first is your your first recorded game, which is from allegedly the fourteenth of August, nineteen ninety three. And what I think has happened here is because there's a few sort of rogue games on our play cricket, and they seem to all be from Timperley or at least against Timperley. So I think what's happened is there'll be some badger at Timperley who's been inputting really old scorecards over the years. Right. So there's a game here from the 14th of August, 1993. This is Timperley first team versus Macclesfield first team. (laughs) Darren Berry, uh, which is quite appropriate because Darren Berry will be appearing on the next episode of the podcast. Um, And and for those that don't know, Darren Berry was uh, a very, very successful um, overseas for Macclesfield um, in the 90s and and then went on to to play uh, professional cricket in Australia and, and indeed was called up to the, the Australian squad in 1997 um, as cover for, um, for, for the wicketkeeping uh, berth. But we won't get on to that too much. But in this particular game, Darren Berry was playing as the overseas pro and he opened the batting with Steve Hackett. Steve Moores batted three. Stu Garnett batted four and yourself it says batted five Danny Ackerley was in the team Andy <laughs> Towell was captain uh is, is this is this is this gonna is this correct would this have been you no because that 
that that would have been in the middle of well, this is what I wondered, given that you said it. So I can only I can only assume that that something something either funky has gone on here and they've they've picked the wrong moors, or. Is it that you you just made a, a rare a, a appearance on a Saturday for for Mac? Could that have happened? I don't think so. I, I certainly don't have any recollection of it. Although there's quite a lot of my cricket career that I don't have that much recollection of it nowadays. But um, no, it, it wasn't. It wasn't a Sunday, was it? It wasn't a Sunday day. You know, I can only think if if, if they had a cup game, whether it, whether it had been called in the last minute just to just to fill in. But but I wouldn't have been batting at that. Was was Steve playing that game? Yes. Steve as and so there are two Moors is on the team. Indeed. Saturday the fourteenth of August was uh it was a Saturday, yeah. Um but then the, the other thing that's um a bit of an anomaly is there's an there's an equal uh single game from the nineteen ninety six season where apparently it was yourself again playing against Timperley. Um so this was Macclesfield first team versus Timperley first team. Um and it has you listed as batting uh, number seven. Right. And in the team was uh, Jed Duffy, Stu Garnett, Steve Moores, Danny Ackerley, Andy Towell, Paul Hughes. So, yeah, could could that have been you? I'm in exalted company, but I don't think either of those is me. <laughs> Well, in which case we we won't go we won't go on to talk about them, T. But I, I just thought it was it was worth um, you know if, if you get if you get Steve Moore's on sometime or one of one of our other senior senior professionals who are still around, Alfie or Steve, see if they can remember anything. But I can't I can't remember that at all. Whether there was somebody somebody else an, an A Moore's who played occasionally, I don't know. But I'm, I'm sure it wasn't me. Did it did it score any runs? Uh, no, not really. You scored ten and fifteen. Um, but you were you you were batting for the first team. I'd, I'd settle for that double figures for the first team. <laughs> I just thought it was interesting that you were listed as batting number four. Um, well, that's another thing that worries me. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, as a man who as a man who loves a nosebleed, getting up the order, um, as we might come on to a bit later. Um, anyway, moving on to things that I do know are are you. Right. Um, there's there's one game that I just want to briefly touch on, which was your your highest score for Macclesfield, or at least recorded on play cricket. Um, now I did ask you about whether you remember much about this game but i'm afraid you don't however <laughs> however it is it is it is right to say that um on this particular occasion uh you were batting a bit of a nosebleed again i have to say you were batting number five and, and you, you got 74 um sodgy simon jones was captain yeah. um and this was uh against ermston um, who sadly did win win the game in the end, but there was not a lot else on the scorecard other than your uh, seventy four and yeah. a, a twenty yeah. a twenty nine yeah. Chris Watkins. It was it, it was sad times there. Yeah, if I if I was batting at number five, there were sad times anyway there. Quite um, but, worrying times. But no, we'll, we'll we'll move on to some games that you you do remember a little bit more about, and 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 a couple of games that. Um, you know, I, w- I want to bring up um, in in recent memory as well as one a, a little bit further away. So the first one was from the eighteenth of April two thousand and fifteen, and this was Macclesfield second team versus Neston second team right at the start of the season. Oh yes, yes, I do remember it. Yeah, yeah. Toss was won by um, by Macclesfield, who elected to field, and Neston posted two hundred and fifteen for seven off their fifty overs. It was Craig Melrose opening the bowling that day, um, and yourself and Steve Whittingham were the uh, the spin twins. 
Right. You bowled seven overs, one maiden, one for thirty-one. So not not too much, not too much in the uh, the bowling department. However, you, you did have quite a big influence on the uh, the end of the game. And 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 Macclesfield ran out winners, two hundred and sixteen for nine in forty-nine point four overs. So obviously, it kind of came down to the wire. And just before I I ask you to sort of regale us with your your memories of um of of this innings and this game i thought it would be quite fun to just read a little bit of the the match report which was written by our illustrious chairman simon griffiths oh my word right and i quote the left-handed moors that's you went about his business with a bottom-hand approach initially looking to target the short boundary he had a dash at the long boundary with a slog sweep and cleared it handsomely, sending the crowd into delirium and leaving the equation 18 runs from two overs with two wickets in hand. Not one to be out-muscled, DC walloped a maximum in the penultimate over and finished, followed it with a boundary taking 11 off the over and putting Mac in an excellent position. With seven needed to win the last over, Tony Moores swept a six high over square leg to all but seal the victory for the home side. He followed this act of heroism with a run out to get the nerves jangling. <laughs> But with two balls left, DC chipped over the infield and Ashish charged through for an easy single to rapturous applause from the partisan crowd. Tony Moores' 16 in quick time was invaluable, but the skipper's 34 not out was as timely as it was courageous. So DC was captain this day, obviously, and needless to say, Mac were not in a great position. Um, Eddie Bones and, and your son Andy Moores opened the batting and neither have got very many. Uh, Adnan Khan, three. Jim Melrose, four. Didn't get any either. Craig got a few. Nipper got 61. Luke Cartwright then chipped in with, with 19. Steve E. Witt, 23. Um, bringing yourself and, and DC together uh, for the eighth wicket partnership. What do you what do you remember about this? this? Well, <laughs> I, I can remember that, Miles. <laughs> Simon, Griffiths, um, Simon Griffiths' report says it all, really, there. Yeah. What, what was so good about the game? was that it was an early season game, first or second game of the season. First team played and they were all back at the ground. Whether they'd had an easy win or a horrible defeat, I can't remember, but they all came back early. The courthouse was packed and many spectators had seen for a long time at a cricket match there. So just to be involved with with that sort of that sort of an occasion when you I was sixty two thousand fifteen I'd have been sixty one probably. And I'm as excited as a Junior playing his first game, great to be playing in that sort of an environment. I do remember thrashing around, I think Simon said, bottom-handed style, and that summed it up pretty well there at the time. I wasn't, I wasn't very pretty. Um, and apparently, I heard afterwards that, that Burge had just announced to all and sundry in the bar, his eyes have gone, can't see the ball. And that was just before I managed to uh, get one in the middle of the bat and send it somewhere close to the uh, Bartside fence. And that was that was the six rears ball that, that swung it in, in our favour. But the um, that's the uh, the triumvirate there, the uh, the three musketeers, DC, Stevie Witt and myself, for a, for a long time playing for the seconds, were, were a block of three who used to, generally speaking, bat. We probably started off batting five, six, seven or six, seven, eight, and then it became seven, eight, nine, eight, nine, ten. But we tended to go in at the same time and uh, quite often try and uh, right a few wrongs. 
Uh, and that was one occasion when we did it nesting, especially there. We managed to put one over on the nesting team, which tended to beat us more often than, than we'd beat them. And it was just it was just a great, a great feeling to win the game. Um, I'll never forget Ashes's Ashes face when I was out run out. I think I think I called for a quick single in the knowledge that I was going to the non-strikers end anyway. So whatever happened, DC had been on strike. And um, I think there was a direct hit. I think Verge had been talking to us, trying to calm him down. He was petrified, absolutely petrified. I mentioned it to Mrs. Moores earlier. She, she remembered being there. And the first thing that she said, that was when Ash was going into battle, wasn't it? He was, he, she said the same thing. I've never been seeing anybody so scared. But he went in, as you say, or as Simon said, he ran through for the single and that was it. We'd, we'd won the game. Happy times, happy times. Yourself with a, a more than useful 16 at the end, including a couple of lusty blows and a big six. And as I said, a DC's a captain's knock of 34 not out. Uh, and that was second 11 Premier Cricket, as you said, and, and always always there and thereabouts. Lots of ex-first teamers, a, a good team and, and obviously a, a good win. Um, but it's it's nice to now that you mention yourself, DC, and, and and Stevie Witt. But a few years ago, obviously playing in the second team, and and now last season managing to uh, to make a a few appearances in the third team together, and and indeed on on a, on a couple of occasions, sort of bail us out of a, a, a bit yeah. of a hole. We'll we'll get on to that in a minute. But um, in the in the meantime, I, I thought it good to mention one of your uh, uh, better right. bowling performances um, and. And this was from uh, the season after, the 2016 season. Um, and this was the last game of the season for the third team. Macclesfield third team versus Over Peaver second team um, on the 24th of September 2016. And I remember this uh, not only because I was playing in the game, but also it was one of these strange coincidences where our league had been gone through one of these crazy topsy-turvy rejigs and, and there are about five million people in our league and you played everybody once and so we had a game it might even have been a week or two after everybody else finished it was, it was certainly near the end of the season there, yeah 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 it was I, th I think it was a week or even right. two weeks after everyone else had finished, as I said. But uh, Over Peaver won the toss and elected to field, with Mac posting uh, 168 all out in 45 overs. Was, was this where we had an, a Chris Flint, one of the many Chris Flint experiments? No, this was... I don't know whether we'd been through a Chris Flint experiment at this point, or maybe... Who, who opened the ball in? Oh, that type of Chris Flint experiment. Right, well, we'll get to that in a second. I th I think you, I thought you were talking about batting because the no, bat no, the no. batting the batting was opened by Adnan Khan and James Coombs who didn't get uh, too many along with Ollie Smith at three Adam Longshaw who, it's whose birthday it is today so happy birthday Adam Longshaw uh, got twenty eight and uh, your your one of your other sons Mitch Moores with a very very useful fifty nine good man good man then. <laughs> Chris Flint, uh, back where he belongs, frankly, was uh, was batting eight and ran out for, for five. No, he was batting seven. I apologise. I apologise. Um, yourself, you batted eight. You only got five. Uh, the big man, Carl Burgess, one. Myself, one. And Alex Walsh, one not out. So, so Mac 3 is posting 168 of 45. Moving on to the over-peaver uh, <laughs> innings. You are correct. It, this particular day, the bowling was opened... Um, by none other than Chris Flint. It was an infamous Chris Flint experiment. With... It's some strange captaincy. Strange captaincy there. I'm very happy to tell you um, he 
the Chris Flint experiment did not work on this day. He bowled two overs, no maidens, none for 16. Which is the only time I can ever remember opening the bowling with Chris Flint, I can assure you. And as long as I am captain, I, it will never happen again. <laughs> There you go. There you go. No, Mr. Yeah. Flint in the in the uh, in the interim period has, has has turned himself into a very respectable senior top order batsman now. So, so indeed, indeed, fair play yeah. to him. I remember the the wicket. Um, and then the wicket looked. I'm I'm feeling that it already top dressed it. Actually, I don't know. It, it was either a dust bowl or it's actually been top dressed. It was. Because because I was able to turn the ball on it, which yeah. shows it must have been something exceptional there. Because I, as a, as a non-spinning spinner, or a, as as Andy would say, a purveyor of speed, highest quality. But one thing he doesn't tend to do is to turn. And that day, it was ragging square. It was it was just ridiculous. It was very very dry. Um, I remember thinking it was it was the over peaver dust bowl. Um, whether they top dressed it, I don't know, but it was. It looked strange anyway, but the ball definitely turned. Yeah. Well, you had um, very commendable figures of ten overs, five maidens, six for eleven, with a, a measly economy rate of one point one, um, and you helped Mac threes uh, round out the game. Uh, bowling out over Peaver for 126 in the 38th over um, with your fellow spin twin that day would have been Alex Welsh. Alex Welsh? Where's Alex Welsh nowadays? Uh, he is... Eh? He's too busy playing Fortnite, I think is probably the is honest that, answer. The he, should, he should get back. He should get back there. He was, no, he was a proper spinner. He certainly was. He, he bowled 12 overs, 5 maidens, 3 for 37. So yeah. the, the, the pair of you... Um, yeah, you, the pair of you took nine wickets. Right. We, we won't talk about the other wicket um, because uh, Carl, Carl Burge just got it and, and nobody wants to hear about that. Oh, no, Carl Burge, Burge, he, he, <laughs> takes, he takes wickets. You know, he, I won't tell you a word against these people who throw the ball up and take wickets. And, you know, and I've heard so many people criticise him. Oh, this is such and such a person. Normally when he's a bowler on, on, for the opposition, uh, I remember once somebody took nine wickets against us in Warrington, I think it was. And we were in the dressing room afterwards and everybody's saying, he was rubbish, that baller was useless, he was terrible. He's just taken nine wickets. Make your own mind up about it, you know, you, you can't be too bad if you're getting that. If it's working, it's okay. Absolutely. So yeah, those, those are there's a few few scorecards and a, a few uh, moments uh, from from your career that I thought would be would be nice to bring up. Now moving on to to a, a few uh, other little stories that I'd, I'd like to bring up, if I may. The first, uh, Tony, is that uh, Pete Langley, on his podcast, recently referred to you as his cricketing hero. Um, is is there anything you would you would like to reply? Uh, on this subject. Langers has always been one of my heroes as well there for his well-rounded personality. His cricketing skills, he's a good man. He's a good man, Langers. I didn't, didn't realise he was as involved with the uh, with the rugby as he is and yourself as well. It's until fairly recently that there's such a Link. Langers is now the uh, the second team coach at, uh, at Macclesfield Rugby, and and I sort of occasionally help him out on on a game day when I can, uh, which is which is a lot of fun. But no, he's the, he's the big cheese of the second team at, at, at Mac Rugby, yeah, and, and Witters as well. Witters refereeing. Yes, they, yeah. all, they all found out about range of things you don't if, if you don't ask these questions, you don't get the answers now. But I found out recently all there's all sorts of interesting facts. There are indeed. Now, the other there's another person I'd like to uh, ask you about, and that's a certain Liam Leroy Markey, uh, 
who you seem uh, to have a bit of a WhatsApp bromance with, um, frankly. Is, is there anything you'd like to tell us about uh, this bromance with Leroy? This was something that started off when m myself and the IT generally don't go hand in hand, I'm afraid. There, I was, I think we'd been at Abbasop with, with Andy, that's it, and um, I was, we were travelling back traveling back in Nick on the morning of a game and we were a bit on the last minute when I put something on the uh, on the WhatsApp but when I meant to put it on a particular WhatsApp on completely the wrong WhatsApp and I was subjected to um I think I think it was in fact I think it was something to do with a meal actually I think I, I, I was texting Roshi that that had locked myself out of the house I was there and they'd locked myself out and stupidly put this on the uh, cricket club WhatsApp it all started from there and it just got very, very ridiculous. Uh, Leroy replied to me in the tones of a, uh, a nagging girlfriend, wife, and we just kept it going for about a week. I would love to see it again, actually, because I've changed my I've changed my phone since, and I've not got access to those old WhatsApps. But um, it would be great to see some of it again because it was. Um, and I know I know Andy Bradshaw at the end of it when we uh, when we kissed and made up and on, uh, something along the lines of uh, he was it. BFF. B BFFs, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's gone on for a long time there, yeah, but Leroy's a star, yeah. yeah. Great to see a picture of him with his little in there recently on the uh, on the on the Mac Cricket Club WhatsApp as well. There, yeah. Loved him, it'd be great to see him again soon. Well, we live in hope of uh, seeing the infamous man himself. Now, lastly, uh, Tony, I, d I don't want to, uh, to bring in any negativity here, but um, after the appalling behaviour, appalling, I'm going to say it again, behaviour, of a certain Robert Porter. Oh, yes. Could I ask you to comment on his ridiculous claims that somehow your wickets are worth less than his? I, I would like to point out that I think possibly the last wicket of the season was uh, the game against Stockport when we beat them in a vital game, but my last wicket was a 14-year-old girl... <laughs> who walked off the pitch in tears after being bamboozled by one of my wrongans there. And um, I count that wicket very highly. And I think Mr Porter was suggesting that some of my wickets had been bought there. So how about that? We've, we've spoken since and uh, we've exchanged drinks. He sent me a crate of Diet Coke and I've sent him a crate of Fanta Fruit Twist as well there. But, um, but Roisin listened to the podcast and... She's not been the same person since, I'm afraid. She, she is struggling very badly. She's, she's just come back the last half hour or so from her latest counselling session. And it's not, it's not been a good time for her, I'm, I'm afraid. Ladies and gentlemen, at this time, I would like to introduce a very special guest to the podcast. You've just heard from Tony Moores about how upset his lovely wife is. Um, however, it gives me great pleasure to introduce some veritable Moores royalty to the podcast. As I said, the wife of Tony Moores, with the voice of an angel, Mrs. Roisin Moores. Roche, how are you? Miles, well, it's been a difficult time, not just because of the lockdown, unfortunately. Yes, I have been following closely Get It Whacked, and particularly episode nine. And uh, is, there, is there anything that you'd like to um, to sort of get off your chest or dare I say, dare I say, direct a response or, or indeed a statement? Well, uh, in fact, you know, I am a, a woman of few words. And um, so I thought it best to prepare a written statement, which I just conveniently have next to me. 
So without further ado, in response to Mr. Robert Porter, I've been advised by my therapist, in fact, to put together this statement in response to Mr. Porter's comments made during episode nine of Get It Wanked. Well, it indeed came as a shock to hear the defamatory comments made by Mr. Porter, Mr. Porter about my husband, Anthony, a.k.a. Tony, a.k.a. the original Silver Fox. Um, and the fact that that comment said he was not genuine bowler. My reaction to this comment due to my fiery Celtic temperament has meant that I've needed to access the services of a qualified therapist. In fact, one recommended to me by my sister-in-law, Karen Moores, following her difficulties with a certain KP. I've just completed my treatment and I am now fairly certain that when lockdown is over and the cricket season commences, that I will indeed be able to contain my violent urges when first meeting with Mr. Robert Porter at the cricket club. And that's all I'd like to say, Miles. Roche, I, I think I can speak for all of us when we, we send you our best wishes and we we absolutely understand and, and live every moment you've you've had to go through because of the vile vile repulsive allegations and statements made by mr rob porter um and all i can say is i hope he takes those remarks as seriously as everybody else listening to this podcast i know will thank you Miles. and just one final comment you know if therapy fails i will um think about my catholic bringing and remember that he did actually make what i considered be a confession at the end of that podcast and apologized for his callous comments roche thank you very much for your time and uh our best wishes go out to you timo after that uh very fine uh interjection from your yeah, lovely what, wife what can i say what can i say i can only imagine what you've been having to live with and uh all i can say is i hope rob porter feels as bad as he should do I'm sure, I'm sure he will do, yeah. I'm sure he's very <laughs> contrived. <laughs> right, T, we're, we're going to wrap it up towards the end of the podcast here. Um, and there's there's a couple of things I just kind of want to want to touch on with you. The first is, have you got any aims if we get any cricket this year? Um, and if not, what your aims for next season might be? Uh, to carry on playing is as simple. As simple as I'd, I'd love to be playing again this year. Whether we'll, I don't know. I'm, I'm not convinced, but we'll just have to wait and see. But certainly, I'd hope to be playing again next year. I'd love to be playing on the same team as Joe at some point. I can see Joe being when you're playing a game or two for the third team before too long, and uh, and possibly Steve as well. Steve might well fancy a game as well if Joe's playing. So that would be great to, to be playing on there with them again um, and carry on getting a few wickets and. Uh, Batting, batting number 10 occasionally if the skipper um, deems it appropriate. <laughs> T, after the one occasion last year where I, I nudged myself uh, above you in the batting order, uh, because I think I remember saying to you, I'm, I'm, I'm just going to try and go in and, and uh, run a few quick singles and, and maybe get on with it a bit in a, in a, in a difficult run chase. Uh, I ran myself out first ball trying to come back for a second and you came in um, along with Mr. Ben Winrow and, and, and sealed the deal. Uh, so I shan't be attempting that again, I can assure you. And, and as you say, any, any aims for, for, for next year, really, obviously playing? Just, and, just yeah. to, to be playing, I'd, I'd love to be playing for the third team 
Um, I thoroughly enjoyed it still. Um, the best decision I ever made was when about seven years ago, after after deciding to retire, was to, to return and play the last few games of the season. And I've been playing since, and um, I'd have missed out on all that if I'd, if I'd have listened to my doctor and, uh, and, and given up playing there. So long, long may it continue. Uh, really yeah fantastic well t i have to say it's been an absolute pleasure um are there any closing remarks that you'd like to uh to say before we wrap the podcast up um re- really just that i'm delighted with the uh with the way the club's going at the moment i love to be i love to see on a summer's evening when games are finished and the and the kids are all over the uh, all over the pitch playing from jasper upwards any any club who's got that sort of a basis there when they can get a, a, a ground half full of children running around at seven or eight o'clock in the evening while the parents are in the bar is is doing something right and i'm sure that will continue whenever we get the chance well tony i i'm sure i speak on behalf of everyone when i say thank you very much for taking the time to join us on the podcast it's been a pleasure Miles. it's been a long pleasure as well looking at the watch <laughs> <laughs> well there we are indeed um hope... I, thought it, I thought i'd have nothing to say <laughs> perhaps perhaps roche has been rubbing off on you over the years who knows possibly yeah. Yeah. on that bombshell we'll uh, we'll wrap the podcast up and uh, look forward to hopefully seeing you in in the not too distant future no it's been a pleasure thank you very much it and great great work doing these podcasts it's been a, it's been a big thing to keep people in touch there yeah cheers speak to you soon too okay speak to you okay bye thank you for your continued support of the podcast if you haven't already please do take the time to follow us on podbean and leave us a five-star review on itunes this really helps us to grow our audience and just this week we peaked as the fourth most downloaded cricket podcast on the uk itunes chart